times like this, you feel like you should just stay there, abiding. John 15 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, I will abide in him. And then he says, and you shall bear much fruit. What you've just experienced is a tangible example of the abiding, of the engrafting. As we get engrafted into him, every part of our being becomes worship. And then we carry an aroma. As you all know, I often speak about the presence of God, the glory of God, the abiding in his presence. It's my most favorite topic. It's the one quest of my life is to be in that place of abiding in his presence. I can't get away from it. I prepared this message at short notice. Our pastors were at a conference this week and I kind of stepped in to bring the word today so they could just absorb what this conference meant for them. And somehow I thought, oh, but this sounds like I've preached on this before. I kind of got scared. Um, but I think it's a follow-on that I hope that we can all grasp that we are to be engrafted into the vine. And maybe you say, well, how do we do that? I believe that this is found in those two words in that first scripture, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And in John 15 verse 5, that when we are engrafted into the vine, when we abide with him and when we dwell with him, these are two words that are interchanged in the, in the gospel. The word I want us just to look at is abide. It says it's to wait, to lodge, to remain, to sit, or to tarry. And dwell means to occupy as a mansion or to reside. Dwell, when used as a noun, means to remain in a given state over a period of time. So we can say this like this, he who dwells, remains, or abides, or waits, or tarries, or lives in the secret place of the Most High, which is with Jesus, will remain under his shadow. And in that place, under the shadow, as, as Psalm 91 says, he becomes your refuge, he becomes your fortress, he delivers you from pestilences. He covers you with his feathers. Did you feel a sweet warmth just covering you this morning in his presence? The psalmist declares in verse 9, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, my place of safety, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling place. And it goes on to say, he will give his angels charge over you. I don't know about you, I need all the help I can get to walk victoriously. We have the wonderful privilege that we have Abba Father pouring out his love, 
We have Jesus interceding for us at the right hand of the throne. We have the Holy Spirit who is the one that draws us. He's the one that comforts us. He's the one that leads and guides us. And he is the one that reveals Jesus because that's his primary goal. He's the one. If you came to Christ, it was because the Holy Spirit revealed Yeshua to you. You did not do it on your own, by the way. The Holy Spirit pursues us. And then he reveals Christ to us. And then we have no option, but we respond to that. I want to say that angels are assigned to you and to me. I want to encourage you, in fact, it's a beautiful study to do on the angels that came on mission in the Bible and shifted things, bringing the word of the Father. Psalm 103 verse 20 says, You, his angels who excel in strength, doing the will of the Father. They are on mission from the Father for you and for me. I think that's worth shouting for. I don't know about you, but I want to experience the angelic. I desire it. I think that the things that we desire, God wants to give to us. We should begin to desire to see into that realm of the supernatural. I believe I have two angels <laughs> because I need to, to keep me safe from myself, to keep me from being naughty, and just to be with me. We all have angels. If you don't believe it, Sorry for you, your angels watching over you. We don't get to worship angels, by the way. They are on mission from the Father. Amen. Isaiah 14, 27 says that nothing, all the forces of darkness cannot stop what God has ordained. So although there is the demonic, there is the angelic. And they stand ready to war for you and for me. Amen. Elisha was a young man who um, was, at, he was in a place where he was surrounded by the enemy. And the young man with him was very fearful. And this was um, 2 Kings 6.16. But Elisha prays and says, God, open his eyes that he might see. And it says that, and then the young man's eyes were opened. And suddenly he saw on the mountain horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. Whew! I don't know about you, but when we're in war, we have that angelic force warring for us. Do you believe that? I don't know if I'm just on another planet, but I believe that the angels are warring for us. That is the only way we will overcome. If we know and we walk in the victory of knowing that no matter what I face, the angelic force is walking behind me. I heard Pastor um, Jensen Franklin say, it's mercy and grace. It's like two hound dogs standing right here. Mercy and grace. Your two angels. Mercy and grace. Amen. So I want to exhort us to believe the impossible. One must be able to see into the invisible. Can 
I say that again, to believe the impossible. How many are facing something impossible? We all face something impossible, whether it's just victorious living, you know, might not be this big major crisis, but to live in the victorious life. And I believe that God is saying, there is a secret place. I love a scripture that my daughter gave me for my birthday. It comes from Psalm 25, verse 14. It says in the Passion Translation, there is a private place reserved for the lovers of God who sit at the feet of Jesus and receive revelation secrets of his promises. A beautiful scripture. There is a secret place reserved for the lovers of God. Are you a lover of God? Do you sit at the feet of Jesus? Because he wants to give you secrets from the secret place. Amen. Psalm 27 verse five, 4 and 5 says, One thing I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek, inquire, persistently require, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, in His presence, all the days of my life. To behold and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord in the temple, to inquire, to meditate, to consider all of his ways. For in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter and he will lift me up high in the day of trouble. I don't know about you, I want to dwell in that secret place that when trouble comes, we are lifted above our circumstances in Jesus' name. Amen. So the enemy does not have access without God's permission. So I think that we need to draw closer to God so that we can hear his voice. When you look at the great men and women of God that have proclaimed and written and done things, we say, oh, I wish I could be like so-and-so. They weren't given anything extra special. Whatever they carry has come from the presence. They have sought after God. They have hungered after the presence. We have to make time. I don't know about you. We say we don't have time. You know, everybody seems so pressed for time. We're all agitated because we don't have enough time. But I want us to consider how many times we scroll, how many times we look at Facebook, at Twitter, you know, at those things that steal our time. And maybe somebody says, you know, I don't get enough sleep. <laughs> this is a sacrifice. You want the presence of God, it's going to cost you something. Put that, that um, cell phone away, your laptop, iPad, whatever it is that attracts you. And listen, I'm speaking to me. And we need to spend time in the presence of God. I've said this before, desperation for God ushers in the presence of God. Do you believe that? There was one who loved God. She sat at his feet. We know the story. I'm going to read it quickly. 
And um, I feel the Lord has dropped something fresh in my heart this morning. But I want to just bring our attention to Mary of Bethany. We know the story in Luke 10, verses 38 to 42, if it comes up on the screen. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister, Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I love that. I hope I'm remembered for sitting at Jesus' feet. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and as she approached him, she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. I love the story. I think we all have a Mary and a Martha a little bit in us. If you're a bit of a perfectionist, then you're a Martha. You're always running and fixing and serving and doing things. But I, what, I, what I smile with Martha is she's telling the Lord what to do. Tell my sister what to do. <laughs> Don't we do that sometimes? Lord, you know, that one and that one, you need to fix them. And, you know, why aren't you sorting this? And this is how you must sort it out. This is how I want you to sort my life out. Don't we tell the Lord those things? We kind of tell him instead of sitting at his feet. It's the one thing that we do the least of, I think. Well, maybe I'm speaking to myself. But there is an abiding at the feet of Jesus. I want to encapsulate the story because um, Mary of Bethany, we know that her brother is Lazarus, and further on in Scripture it says they call for Jesus, and he waits, he doesn't come, and the brother dies. Do you feel like sometimes you've prayed, and your dream has died, and Jesus hasn't come? I think we all feel that at times. Where were you, Lord? I needed you there. And Martha runs to him and she says, Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And he responds and says, I am the resurrection and the life. And she says, I believe. But now what's interesting to me is Mary's not there. She knew Jesus was coming, but she stayed at home. And I kind of put myself in her shoes and I think, I think she was disappointed. I think her heart was broken because she knew had Jesus been there, Lazarus wouldn't have died. But then Jesus says, where is Mary? Calls her name. And she gets up and runs to him. And she says the same thing to him. Lord, if you had been here. But something was different. She fell on her knees. She humbled herself. Her posture of her heart was soft. And it says Jesus wept with compassion. And then the supernatural took place. When we are in his presence, when our posture of our heart is one of humility, Something shifts in the atmosphere, and the supernatural takes place. 
we need to live in that place where we abide with him. If we are going to survive and thrive. If we don't pursue his presence in the season, many will, their hearts will grow faint. Who knows that we are living in difficult times. And the only thing that we can hold on to is the hem of his garment. The the secret place is a strange thing. I believe that we live in the natural, but we are actually from the supernatural. We are spirit beings having an earthly experience. Can I say that again? We are spirit beings. It says, before the foundations of the earth, I knew you. Spirit being created in the spirit realm. Having an earthly, natural experience. So we should be living from the place of the spirit. Amen. So how do we do that? How do we go into the secret place? I believe it is from this awareness of God. Can I say that if we, I'm even going to say something that's going to shock you. Prayer doesn't work. Everybody's shocked. Prayer is not powerful. And I'm going to clarify that. The Muslims pray. The Hindus pray. Many people pray. But if you're not praying from the spirit realm, if it's from the carnal flesh, it will achieve nothing. Nothing. Amen? We have to tap into the dimension of the spirit. Jesus said, I do nothing unless I hear from the Father. So we have to live in this perpetual state of Father. What are you saying? Where do I go? You know, David went nowhere and did nothing unless he inquired of the Lord. I love the heart of David. He, he was flawed, yet he was known as the friend of God. You know why? He took everything to God. I want to say we can have all these eloquent words and, you know, have all these um, prayers that we can pray if it doesn't come from the spirit realm it is just empty words and that's why we get disappointed because we don't see things happen and there is the sovereign will of God let me just say I don't want to underestimate what people have been through what they've experienced who have prayed earnestly and not seen a miracle I don't want to underestimate that Because God is still sovereign. But I want to say, when we can learn this wonderful, I don't even know what to call it, it's a key that we go in. Before we ask, and you know that God knows what we need before we even ask. So we make such a big deal about, you know, our petitions. And listen, petitioning and intercession, it's all powerful. I'm talking about just every day dwelling and abiding. You know what the key is? Put that little list of yours away and go sit in the presence. 
We need to take time. I'm, I'm practicing the pause. <laughs> we think it's easy, but it's not that easy to zip this, to sit and just say, Lord, here am I. I want to just be here with you and open up a space in our lives where we make room for him to come in and maybe you say nothing. Maybe you just sit at his feet with a pen and paper, please. Because when you keep quiet long enough, he will speak. He will give you the word. That's why reading the word, memorizing the word is key. Beloved, I wish I'd started when I was younger. I am passionately pursuing, memorizing God's word. And when I sit in this place of quietness, he reminds me of his word. And when we begin to pray the word, something changes. Because he says, my word will not return to me void. So instead of babbling words, thinking that he doesn't hear, speak his word back to your situation. Speak your word, the word back to him. It says, remind me. I want to, young guys, young people, memorize scripture. Eat it like your life depends on it. If an old lady like I can remember, man, your brains are just... I want to say something. When you, when you create an atmosphere in your home, where the presence is welcome and your children dwell in that place, they will never depart. Do you know why I say that? Because this Mary of Bethany, when six days before Jesus was to be crucified, he comes back to Bethany to sup with them, with Lazarus, with Mary, with Martha. And she takes this jar of perfume and she breaks that jar and she kneels before him and she anoints him. And the smell of that aroma, that smell of that oil, they say it, it equates to a whole year's salary. She didn't work out 10% and give that. She took it all and she broke it and she poured it onto him. Then she took her hair and she wiped his feet. Why did Jesus go to their home six days before the crucifixion? Could it be that he knew that he was welcome? Could it be that he knew there was one that would run to him and fall before him before she saw the miracle? Could it be that he knew that this fragrance would represent his death, the burial, and the resurrection, the aroma of Christ. Pastor Ronell told us of a story one time. They had an honored guest in their home for a few days, and he would spray his you know, aftershave and perfume and all of that. And after he had left, after a few days, they all giggled and said, we can still smell him. We can smell the aroma. 
He was no longer there. They couldn't see him. But the aroma that he left lingered in their nostrils. We are to be the aroma of Christ. The scripture says that we are to guard the aroma of Christ to those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. We are now the aroma. But how do we become the aroma? We have to be saturated in the presence of the king. When his aroma floods us, when we stay in the place of his presence, there's an aroma that comes from us. For we are to guard the fragrance of Christ. I don't know about you, but that sentence overwhelms me. We are to guard the fragrance of Christ. When he looks at you and me, he sees Christ, his beloved. And we are to go into a dying world and make a difference. I heard something this morning that touched my heart so deeply. There was a young boy that uh, lived in the real ghettos. He would have to go through drug-infested areas and cross many roads, and there was this big intersection. And this one morning he got there, and a man was standing there with parcels and a stick, and he was saying, can someone help me over? And everybody was so busy just ignoring him, walking past and running and getting on with their business. And this young boy said, sir, can I help you? And he said, can you help me cross to the other side? And he said, yes, put your hand on my shoulder and I will take you over. And as the story goes, he was coming to sell sweets at the school. And this young boy and this gentleman, he was called Mr. Miller, they became great friends, and every morning, Mr. Miller would wait at the intersection for this young boy. And one morning, he was running late, and so he saw Mr. Miller standing at the intersection. So he thought, I'll just wait and see what happens. And so he stood behind Mr. Miller, wondering why he wasn't saying, will someone take me to the other side? And suddenly Mr. Miller said, I know you are standing behind me. And he said, how did you know? Because he was blind, this gentleman. He said, I could smell your fragrance and I could sense your presence. And it reminded me of Jesus. He says, put your hand on my shoulder. Let's cross over to the other side. He wants us to smell his aroma. We are blind like that. We are blind. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what the future holds. But there is one that holds us in the palm of his hand. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. So I've emphasized 
that we need to make a place and spend time. But I want to say to you, when you remain in a perpetual place of awareness of the King, you can utter a prayer in any situation and He hears. I was reminded this morning of a time when my Robbie was in ICU fighting for his life. And that morning when the doctor called and said, we're very worried, I climbed in my shower and crying, I was like, God, I need something from you. I need to hold on to something from your word. I need to hear you this morning. And suddenly from my mouth came these words, and Robbie shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Man, I held on to that as a promise from his word. I said, Father, Robbie will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will not fear. You will strengthen my heart. I will wait upon you and trust you. In that same time period, we went to see him in hospital. And it was a time when, when they weren't allowing anybody to come in. But we pushed through. I was determined I needed to lay hands, anoint with oil, give him communion, put a prayer cloth on him. And we got in miraculously. I believe an angel opened the door because later people were, how did you get in there? Nobody was allowed in there. But God opened the door for us. But I want to say, even there, that's earnest prayer. I was walking in the mall, still with masks, grateful for the mask because I was praying in the spirit. Suddenly I heard 27, just like that in my head. I thought, what is that? I thought Robbie's going to come out on the 27th of June. He'd been in from the 1st of June. But then suddenly, in my spirit, I heard the spirit say, nine. I said, nine. Nine is the number of war. And I heard three times, war, war. And I thought, what is that? Suddenly I realized, three nines are 27. What does that mean? He's coming out on the 27th. But as it turned out, he didn't come out on the 27th, but exactly 27 days from when he went into ICU and came out, there were three wars that Robbie had to fight, very, very specifically. And on the 27th day, on the 8th, I think it was the 8th of, Jul of um, July, he came out of hospital. God is specific. And that wasn't in a holy place with worship playing and in the atmosphere of worship. It was just praying in the Spirit, earnestly being in His presence. And I want to encourage you today. I'm no, nobody special. You and I are exactly the same. The difference is passion. Passion. Will you passionately run after the king? A.W. Tozer said, There will be no manifestation of God to his people apart from earnest seeking. You want to see the manifestations of God? In your life, in the life of this church, we have to seek after God. When you look at that mission, it looks too big. But in the presence of the King, He will give us strategy and a blueprint.
to know how to accomplish that. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.